everyone, and welcome to the Humanity of Leadership podcast, a modern-day approach to human-first leadership. Hello, everyone. I am Narjas. And I am Amber, and we are your kick-ass leaders, coaches, and hosts. We want to make this podcast where we could take the subject of leadership as we have always known it and level it up with a touch of humanity. Yeah, Amber, I wanted to tell our listeners what we are here to do best which is to have those real life conversations with you, amazing people and leaders and managers out there, where we will riff a little on what we believe leaders need to let go of and learn to lean into by embracing what I call those must-haves that today's employees and teams are seeking. So join us as we talk strategies, share tips, skills, and offer different perspectives to break down those stigmas on what makes it hard for leaders to show up as a full-on human for their teams. Absolutely, Narjis. And we believe that kick-ass leaders are intentional, driven, and focused on the power of the whole person experience in the workplace. Our hope is to inspire you to explore and level up your leadership approach in your life and business by modeling this humanity of leadership through coaching and in sharing our own vulnerabilities with you as we talk all things leadership. Let's dive in. Hi, Amber. Welcome back. I'm glad we can get back together again. I feel like I haven't seen you in a quite a couple of weeks time. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm so happy that we get this time together. And as always, I'm excited about the topic and to dive in and to just chat about leadership. So happy to be here. I'm feeling quite excited today as well. I know we say that a lot every time we get together. But I have to tell you this, uh, this story that sort of helps. Well, it's really kind of what drove the topic for me today. And uh, I thought we could explore it a little bit. I um, I have been doing a little bit of um, sort of exploring the world of interviewing and what it's like out there in the market. And I had an opportunity to go through an interview and I had uh, come across a question that was asked of me, which is really not an uncommon question. I think I've heard this question many times before, uh, but it just intrigued me, you know, from a bit of a different perspective this time. And I thought we could uh, dissect it a little bit. So the question that, that uh, was, was sort of proposed to me was just simply, what do you believe creates a successful team? And it got me thinking about the power behind this question, right? You know, it was, something that I knew I could quickly answer that wasn't the the issue for it for me, but rather how diverse this question is and how complex at the same time it can be in that, you know, everybody sort of has a different perspective, I would say, on how they would view that. And I thought we could bring it here today and talk a little bit about it. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that sounds amazing. I love looking at team and group dynamics within companies because I think there's it's there's so many different layers to it, right? There can be an immediate team and then you're playing into a larger department and then that's all playing into the biggest team of the organization. Of course, dependent on the size of the organization and the workplace, but 
what I think is so fascinating is there are differences. And so you might have certain dynamics that work in one space and not the other. Um, and we've all been on, let's say, not so great teams before that you're like, ah, this is really not working, but what is it that's not working? And so I think that this is a great topic. And I think the people listening, anybody can relate to this, right? Whether you're leading the team or you're just a part of a team at work, everybody can attest to being a part of a team. And because of that, there's going to be so many, I think, um, cool things that we talk about and cover. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I wanted to bring it to our listeners today is just to sort of reach out beyond just what leadership needs to do, but also kind of expand a little bit on, you know, looking at what our teams require or would like to see more of. So I wanted to kind of keep it focused if we could to maybe uh, talking about three or four top points that we both uh, feel or even if they're a little bit different from one another, that's even better, let's, let's do that. But we'll um, talk a little bit about what we believe sort of are the top three or four points. And, uh, and then let's take a deep dive into breaking those down in, in regards to how each one can impact the teams and the organization. Um, and then any advice that we can give on to how leaders and managers can use these to guide them would be great, I think. So, um, and then we might touch a little bit on the how how important this how important these three or four characteristics, if you will, can really play or contribute to the psychological sort of safety. Uh, within the organization that I know you and I are so passionate about always making sure we're mindful of. So we'll chat a little bit about that. Um, here's what I know. And I think for me, it's like, the way I look at it is that what makes a strong team really is the foundation of a high performing business and being clear on the dynamics of what makes a successful team within your organization is essential. If I've learned anything in my time from floor service to leadership roles, it's probably just how important these dynamics can be uh, to the organization. The other thing uh, I think to help everyone sort of understand a little bit of how we came about with some of our top three or so is that these dynamics really are a series of characteristics. They can be qualities as well that uh, organizations sort of determine are, are part of their brand and who they want to be, um, or what I like to refer to them as, which are your cornerstones, really, of which your business and people fit into, mm -hmm. right? Um, I've often used them, when I look at them as a cornerstone, then they often become a guide to where my, you know, the values of the organization, the behaviors, and the culture uh, begin to sort of be formed from within, so that really everybody knows how they work together. That's really, for me, what, uh, when I think, you know, the dynamics of a successful team, those would be the characteristics that, that sort of, or, or how I define how we develop them, how we create them. Uh, the other thing that I would say is that there is uh, there's not a one size fits all, and I think that that's important that we sort of mention, even though you and I are going to share what we feel or we mm -hmm. believe are, 
I think that, that that's that's an important thing for organizations to understand that they really are part of your personal brand. So they have to have that. When we think characteristics, we think personality, we think character. What is it about that that you know fits within your organization? Um, but even though they may not be a one size fits all, they have to kind of give you a clear path in aligning your organization's vision. Uh, I would say with the people who can make it all happen. So that's probably the one thing that you do have to, what I would say you have to be aware of as you're creating these. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think you're touching on something really cool here, Nargis, which is that essentially there are certain things that I would say, and, and we'll get into kind of what we each think about different elements for successful teams. However, how those elements play together will depend on the people within the team. So I think that's what we're really touching on when you say there's no one size fits all, where it's like these are kind of cornerstones. And so we'll talk about what we think those cornerstones, you know, in our experience and with our clients, how that's looked. But then tying that into our vision of modern leadership, it will basically come forth in different ways. So, you know, for example, just different leadership looks so different on different people, depending on mm -hmm. like, you know, our, I mean, this is such a simple one of like extrovert versus introvert, you know, introverts can be great leaders. We don't often give them the space to, I think, in the way that we structure a lot of um, inputs and meetings and, and things like that. But what it, it's just like, it can present in different ways. So what I will say is we will give examples from our experiences, but this is something that you can take away with you and look and see what that looks like for your team and in your, in your organization. The second point I wanna to just touch on is how you said it should align with the company's vision. And I think that that's really important. A lot of companies do a vision, mission, purpose statement. Mm -hmm. And I, would argue that putting a team element in that looks really good or sorry, doesn't look really good. It is really important um, in that it's an additional part of what you actually are visioning for your company and having people, having that be a part of what, you know, people can look to for guidance or a set of values perhaps, or things like that is really important. And I feel like successful teams, you kind of are either feel like you're in a successful team or you're not. A lot of people don't mm -hmm. talk about the dynamics of that. So I think that this is a great um, chance for us to look and break down and to give names to some of those cornerstones and chat them out. So yeah. I'm super stoked. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember going back, you know, through my, my journey in this work, it's, it's really all perspective and relevant to where you are in the moment, right? I can think back when, if I were to be asked that question, when I was just, you know, uh, say one of the, you know, working on the floor service side of things where I was part of the team, but not part of the leadership, right? I think I would have answered it, you know, in a totally different way at that time, because what matters to me, you know, I, you know given where I was at, is very different from being a part of the leadership team that is creating it, that is, you know, putting together what they see. And I almost feel like that's really a disconnect that exists because 
what happens is leadership teams or organizations tend to create these uh, elements or these characteristics without the contribution or input from our the teams that actually have to execute. Let's put it that way. And, uh, and it may not be the case for every organization, but I know that that was something that I know I experienced. And so often they're not aligned, right? This is where we fall into a problem where this is why maybe the, the dynamics of it isn't successful because it's driven around a mission statement that really, as you said, excludes the concept of team, but rather, you know, organization-wise where we want to go. So I think it's important to identify how the teams fit into that, as you beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I, I saw this, I mean, I felt this so much in the retailer I was a leader for, uh, we would get certain things handed down from corporate and it just felt like, what the heck? Like you're not in this, the store, you're not on the floor. You yeah. don't understand this. This is not feasible or this sucks or we hate this or this is amazing. Like it was just, um, it felt like a huge disconnect. So I think if, as with every part and piece of coaching and development, what I think is really cool is you're just giving more tools, more awareness to these different things. And because of that, then it's much easier to work towards um, bigger, better solutions for yeah. the evolution. And I know when I was posed with this question, I have to tell you immediately my mindset went to really what is it that the team needs? And that's how I decided to answer that question. It would have been easy for me to come from the leadership perspective, mm -hmm. quite easy, but I actually leaned into it from a more kind of, well, because of the work that we're doing so passionate, that we're so passionate about, which is, you know, looking at it from a more modern leadership approach would be to lean into it from the people. And what is it that the people, how the people can benefit in this space. So it was, uh, it was a unique um, way for me to approach it. And uh, I have to tell you, I felt really, really good about it after because again, it aligns with my mission and where, where I'm going. So let's share, shall we? A little bit about, okay. Um, so here's what I came up with. I'm curious, uh, Amber, to hear yours. And uh, we actually purposefully did not share our, our, top, uh, uh, our top ones with one another because we were curious as to where this could go. So uh, I went with four and the four that I went with was first would be consistent leadership. I went with clearly communicated expectations. So that lives in the field of communication. Mm -hmm. I went with collaboration across mm -hmm. the board in the company. And I went with room for innovation. Okay. Um, you know, it's funny. Not surprisingly, we have some <laughs> overlap. Uh, and, and I think we can dive in and we can just uh, bounce back and forth beside between what we uh, why we both chose some of these. So I have um, communication. So for me, this is the, it's the ultimate factor in a successful team. And I think in life too, I studied communications as my undergrad. Mm. I am just so passionate about this. And I think it's one of the, it's almost always at the crux or it's the root of a lot of problems is poor communication. So yeah. Anywho, communication, critical, key. Um, I have leadership being, you know, so I, I just, 
in teams, and this can look a lot of different ways. Again, I think we can dive into this, you know, is it servant leadership? Is it top down? Like, what does that even look like? I think can be nuanced and vary, but having some sort of, and maybe this is all equal leadership between the members, you know, it can look different ways, but having empowered people making decisions is important, I believe, mm. for a successful team. Um, I put supportive as my third bucket, which I feel seems close to collaboration, slightly yeah. different wording, but very similar. And then my fourth bucket is probably the most different to yours. I put fun. Mm. I am I am a true, true um, fun expert. I'm a fun hog. I just love <laughs> to have fun. And for me, if there's, if fun isn't included, I am not interested. So, so those are my four. So, uh, clearly 50% are like overlap, <laughs> a, uh, overlap entirely. I think a yeah. quarter is very similar and a quarter we have a little bit different. So should we start with the ones that, um, we overlap fully on? Should we start in communication? Yeah, sure. I think that's great. Uh, so communication, I could not agree more with you. Absolutely the crit most critical. I think when we talk about building relationships, which really teams are built on relationship, built on the foundation of relationships rather. And when I think relationship work, I think nothing more then clear communication is critical. Uh, so for me, I agree, essential to keep track of not only how we're doing together, but to also keep track of progress, right? And is the team working together efficiently, effectively on tasks, on moving the needle forward together? Um, you know, I think communication, uh, and this is a big one for me, is I believe communication, and especially where I, where I defined it, in the area of clearly communicating expectations, mm -hmm. I think is key. Uh, for me, that the ultimate impact there is that it minimizes unnecessary misunderstandings and frustrations, which can tear apart a team. Yes. Whether that, you know, whether it's a, a, a team of two to a team of 200, it really doesn't matter. Any time we have to guess, assume, or be in a position where we're uncertain, um, and manage expectations that are not really that we're not fully clear on. I think it can take us down a, a very, very um, sketchy, dangerous path. So, and eliminate a lot of frustration. I know for me, if there was anything that would drive me out of the the team element, it would be that going into immediate frustration because I didn't understand or felt understood. Either way, same. Yeah. And yeah, right. Um, the other couple points that I made is communication it, it, and kind of talks a little bit about uh, what we said being essential. It really can make or break a team. It's really that simple, right? And uh, lastly, it, uh, it really is what builds trust and authentic connection, right? You can't, if you're not talking to each other and you're not being clear on what you expect of one another and the deadlines, like it's about being super specific so that we set up the other person to succeed in delivering what we want or just, you know, need them to deliver and vice versa. So hugely important. Yeah, I, I mean, you've stolen all of my points, I think, right off the tip of my <laughs> tongue. But yeah, so it's, it's so important as far as creating that foundation of trust. I think that that is the ultimate 
So it's like, what is to be gained via good communication and team is trust. And ultimately with trust, anything can be possible, mm -hmm. right? Like you are able to, this, this gives room for like what we'll touch on with innovation. This gives, this leads towards fun, right? So it allows space when you have that foundation of trust. So that's the ultimate, like what's to be gained, I think in this bucket, what's to be lost is like, totally divided people doing working independently having no idea what other people are doing you're doubling up on work you're not collaborating all of the other things so i think that this it, it's very basic what is what is to be gained here when done well and the losses are just so costly if this mm -hmm. isn't touched upon I think also just um, I'll throw in a few extra like kind of small details that I think fit under this bucket as far as basically with with clear communication. I think clear is a great qualifying word here is the objectives become clear. Everybody's working towards the same goal and Purpose. Yeah. The, the, the roles that everybody's playing like this is all established through that clear communication um, and. And it also, in that trust, you're building patience with one another because everybody has those clear roles that they're playing and participating in. And so, yeah, I just think that making sure that that is there, I think also like in communication, leaders are providing context. I think that that's a subcategory that I think really helps. And we've talked about this. I think in our feedback episode and a few other things, how I think it's super important for leaders to be transparent with context. Yeah. I am not asking you to do this to add on to your plate, which is sometimes what it can feel like, right? So if you're like, I am curious about this because of this, then it's the people having that context are suddenly much more engaged. They're willing to participate rather than be like, oh, they're just adding to my plate. Um, and mm. And one, I just think a factor, one of the biggest and most important lessons I've learned throughout all of my coach training is bringing curiosity to the table. And I think that curiosity in the way you communicate is, and this might even kind of overlap slightly in that innovation bucket too, right? When you bring, when you have curiosity in your communication, you're actually opening doors, you're opening the space rather than maybe pinholing somebody into a certain um, spot instead of saying like, why didn't you do this? Be like, oh, like, I'm so curious. How, you know, what was your process on this? Or, you know, just opening it up rather than closing down. So I think those are my points on the communication bucket. Yeah, that's so good. The, the other thing that I would say is this is probably not a surprise for anybody to hear that we had communication. I think, you know, for almost every organization, they would tell you communication has to be up, up there. I think what we're hoping that you will take away from all of this is the importance of how deep you go into defining and getting super clear on how communication within your organization needs to look like, sound like, feel like, and play out like every single day. Because here's the thing is, when we talk about these as being cornerstones, it's, it's what you have to sort of always go back to. So in every training and every, you know, whether it's from the hiring to the training to executing daily stuff uh, within the workplace, daily tasks rather, 
you have to always go back to, are we communicating the way we want to communicate in this organization? Are we talking to each other the way? Are we building relationships in the same way? And as you said, are we, you know, defining and being patient and all those things? If we don't train our leadership to have those elements within this one bucket of communication, what happens is it becomes general, right? We just put communication out there and then people can interpret communication in many different ways. So what I hope all our listeners will take away from this is to really don't be in one lane with this, I think is one of the things that I wanna say when we talk about all these, these elements. Don't be in just one lane with it. Really break it down as to what it needs to look like for you, your team, and your organization based on your brand and your vision. So really play. I love that you gave a few different, you know, clear um, suggestions there that they can play with. So, yeah, but communication is key. Um, so you had leadership, but I had, I was specific. I said consistent leadership. So I'm curious. Um, should I talk a little bit about what consistent, what I mean by consistent? Yeah, go for it. Why so you? let me, let me tell you first where I, so consistent leadership for me is actually in two parts and I chose to be that specific rather than linear with it as in just leadership, because I think as we know, as our, our, our entire, you know, podcast is based on how complex leadership can be for me. Uh, it's in two parts. The first would be retainment, right? So that we're consistent in the people. And then the other part is the, the style of leadership, right? What we develop within our leadership people, you know, our leadership teams rather, and how they deliver it. So it's sort of touching what I said about the communication. It's how are we being consistent in who we are as leaders within the organization. So uh, to break that down a little bit, retainment. So let me tell you, Amber, I, for a very, very long time in my career, worked in seasonal environments. You know, I come from a huge background in private club, private country clubs, and a lot of those private country clubs operated seasonally, which meant we had a huge turnover of staff that would come and go and we, we had to really innovate. We had to really get creative in how we retained our staff, retained our teams to either come back year to year or to be able to uh, stay with us throughout the, the entire year. Uh, this was so important, not only internally to our teams, but also for our clientele, our customer base, our membership, right? Consistency is key in everything. But consistency in the hospitality industry is what makes us or breaks us. And I don't know if you've ever been out to a restaurant. If you're going out to your favorite restaurant, you have that one meal that is your go-to on that menu. You love it because you loved it from day one when you ordered it. And every time you go back, you order it, you're expecting it to be the same, look the same, taste the same, give you that same feeling of satisfaction by the end. And that's what keeps you coming back. Well, it's no different internally, right? Consistency in our relationships, consistency in our teams, it becomes sort of the, the foundation of, you know, um, 
keeping people feeling secure and safe where they are. So in the retainment piece, I, I just want to touch on hiring the right people. Uh, what I learned out of all of that is, is really that hiring the right people is an investment. And it's a huge investment in our time and money. And when organizations sort of begin to experience the level of turnover that, you know, because people aren't happy, they're coming and they're going all the time, it can really have, it essentially has a direct impact on everyone that's involved, right? We just begin to get used to that person, the way they operate, the way they manage, the way they lead the team, et cetera, and then they're gone. So when we have a revolving door situation, right? It, I, I talked a little bit about how it creates uncertainty amongst the teams, but not to mention that it costs you in time and money. Like it costs organizations so much money in constantly retraining and rehiring. And, the, and that's just an investment that we hope to only have to make, well, minimally. I understand that we can't control all our hires, but as minimal as possible. So I think, you know, it's really about being active in where does consistency fall in our leadership from the hiring process to the execution? So I often say, I don't know about you, Amber, but I often say, you know, hiring well is just not enough anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like we we have to understand that, yes, sourcing out the right fit, the right candidate is important, but more importantly, uh, managing teams requires leaders that have to have that hands-on role in developing the people that they work with and and that they work well together, right? That we teach them how to work well together so that they remain focused on the right priorities and each other. So if we looked at it more from, um, you know, not only does this individual fit, but what is the training that we require internally to create this consistency with these leaders so that they go out there and manage it in that way? You're not just leading from above. You've got to be hands-on in this space. So that's what I mean by retainment. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I when thinking about how, like, what that leadership looks like, um, I actually, as you're speaking, I was like, what does my version of leadership look like? And for me, it's engaging, engaging leadership. And so for me, that's somebody that, like I said, like you were just alluding to is like, it's not just leading from essentially the front of the room, right? Or the top down, but it's in, in the mix. Sometimes it's on the side. Sometimes it's in the, you know, from behind in essence of like, you know, pushing the team up in front of you, but you have it so nobody falls. Um, so yeah, I just looking at what you can't just have good people to have good leadership and have mm -hmm. functioning team, right? So this looks at, mm -hmm. like in, in development, it looks through training, it looks through tools, it, it looks at a lot of different things. And that's why, you know, we have both had experience coaching leaders and having support for leadership people can really make a big difference because the, what you want to do is you want to keep, you want retention, right? You want to mm -hmm. retain the most important and effective and inspiring people you can. And that is giving them support and valuing them before they leave. I, one of my pet peeves is when 
you know, somebody goes to give in their notice and a company like tries to counter the other offer that they've received to keep them there. And it's like, uh, it feels a little too late, right? Like, oh, actually we do really love you. Here's, you know, 50,000 more and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that didn't really feel apparent when I was here. So yeah, so for me, engaging leadership is such an important part of the team because this is where the container is set for the team. So an engaging leader will do things. And so this is where the different nuances come in of like, you know, that could be leader by leader. They're going to fall under the company's vision and mission, but they will, everybody will do it a bit differently. How I do it is a little bit different to you and what the things that I value. So there's a little bit of personal values coming into a space that I'm holding, but you know, it's about creating the what's acceptable, what's not acceptable in this team. Mm-hmm. You know, are we hard on deadlines? Are we not? Or, you know, what kind of level of communication do we accept between people? Like, is it really informal? Is it really formal? Um, are we allowing, you know, even things like gossip, right? Like an engaging or consistent leader will have, be able to set the space that's not fostering kind of what I would consider petty things happening within the team, right? Like infighting almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that they're a, engaging leader is a guide. So they are guiding the individuals. They're guiding towards what is clearly communicated, right? So that is towards the outcomes or the objectives that are happening, Um, And so that feels so important that there is somebody, there's a point person. And I know that there's the agile um, kind of system of leadership. It's like servant leadership. And there's not really one kind of head of um, like point person. Mm -hmm. I still think that it's important to have somebody that you can go to. I'm not saying this person has to be top down. I think that the modern approach to leadership is looking at things a lot differently and incorporating things like empathy and creating psychological safety and a lot of these other elements that weren't necessarily at the forefront of leadership, you know, even 20 or 30 years ago, but it is evolved a bit. So I still think that having an engaging leader is really important to a team. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I want to throw this out there too because yes, engaging leadership so important. The other thing is, um, you know, when I talk about don't stay in one lane, this is exactly what we're sort of modeling right now. It's it's what you say has value. It's I say what I say has value, but it's really about you defining where each of these buckets fits in with your organization. So again, in this space here, if we're gonna focus on engaged leadership, engaging leadership, it is about getting super specific with the leadership, with the teams and saying, okay, so what does building trust look like? And how do we want to create that? Because what you're doing essentially, whether we call it engaged leadership, consistent leadership, what you're doing is really you're creating a leadership style that fits within you and your organization that your teams will begin to understand and see where they fit into as well. Because every organization, just like policies and processes and systems, you need to have a style. 
You need to have that that sense of so that your people know how they fit in with that, right? It's it's I may not look like you, sound like you, or be like you, but I know one thing. I know that I still feel like I belong here because there's a spot for me here in the the you know in the realm of of the whole uh, organization. So. Uh, I really like that. I think it's also, you know, be clear on with your with your leadership teams on, you know, this is I think this is another big thing, which is pay attention to the behavior. So when I talk about like, you know, what is your leadership style? So consistent, consistent leadership for me is about being consistent in behavior and how you show up as a leader as well. Right. So, again, you know don't have your staff walking around on their tiptoes uncertain of what they can expect from their manager today or their leader tomorrow or the messaging is one thing today and tomorrow so what you know it, it's all of it has to align and so you need to decide is it messaging is it how we communicate is it you know how we show up is it behavior all those things matter and then you have to sort of across the board, make sure that all your teams know and understand that when a conflict arises, my manager is going to look after it. And I have faith and I have trust that they're gonna do it. Why? Because this is the, the, the what I've seen consistently happen. See, the more our teams see you being consistent or engaged in what you are saying, you know, doing what you're saying you're gonna do, if you will, the more you build that trust, the more, you know, you create that level of, okay, I feel safe. I feel comfortable that I can, you know, you know, be, be here and be who I am and whatnot. So uh, that's, that's, yeah, a little bit of uh, what I would say is hone it in, really hone in on being super specific with what that looks like. Aside from, you know, the, we don't all have to be expert at developing people right away, but we mm -hmm. certainly have to be consistent and engaging in the things that matter to the organization and the people within it. And those can be those core values. Maybe they are related to the core values or whatever they are. If we're not consistent, you will have staff and teams doubting and then starting to feel like, what's the point? You never want the, what's the point, right? Uh, I just yeah what's so, the point because that person does it this way or they're just not gonna they say this but they do that yeah you don't want that <laughs> yeah um and I think that that might be part of the your answer what do you think um if we look at the the cost and the benefit like what's hmm. to be gained with good leadership whether it's engaging consistent whatever qualifying word you want to put there so What's to be gained with consistent leadership and what's the cost or what could, you know, ultimately be the downfall if you don't have that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And everything has a cause and effect. Everything has a cause and effect. So you really have to pay attention to if we're this way, what, how will it affect? So exactly. That's awesome. Uh, I think you had said support and I said collaboration. So to me, they they definitely fall in the same realm of. of Wait, hold on. Hey, I want to hey, backtrack. Hey, 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 hey. I feel like oh. I posed a question and. Um, oh, so I was just... that to me? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my god. But um, no, that's fine. It probably wasn't. 
immediately clear. I'll throw my thoughts into the space and I'll see if you have any others. Um, so for me, the benefit of mm. engaging leadership um, is you're at the, the bottom line of whatever industry you're in, you're going to have increased productivity. So with mm. engaging team, you have a fun, uh, engaging leadership, you have a functioning team and that team is then producing whether whatever that is. Um, and you have much higher chance of people thriving, of people feeling engaged. Also engagement is a really big thing. So you basically are touching on retention and engagement. So for me, that is almost always at the top of HR's priority list is having <laughs> Um, increasing retention always. We've seen how that has taken an, a um, a bit of a, a dive with the great resignation and things like that. So people are hungry to retain excellent talent. So I think the cost of not having good leadership is mixed messages. That's when I that's what I meant when I was like, oh, I bet you'll say this. Like, what's the point when you get people into the what's the point? Um, that's a huge cost of not oh. having good leadership. So anyways, I just want to sum that up for people because <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what we did for the first bucket in communication. So that would be my kind of summary for leadership. Oh, no, thanks. Thanks so much for clarifying. I thought you were being mindful to put that uh, that thought out there for our listeners to consider. So I wasn't sure that you were asking me, but you answered it beautifully. And I agree, 100%, I agree, because that, that's right, that is the cost of, of that. And, you know, and, and the only thing I would add with consistent leadership is, uh, you know, again, the, the benefit for me is, you know, retainment and uh, opportunity, right? because people then know what to expect every time. And I think when people are, you know, know what to expect, they feel, uh, I don't want to use the word safer, uh, they feel more confident in bringing, and this maybe is touching on our other bucket, but, but bringing ideas, becoming more innovative, becoming more engaged, right? Because they see a pattern. See, I think consistent leadership is all about behavior and pattern. What, it, you know, when they when they have inconsistency in those areas, then they don't know how they fit in. They don't know how to bring their whole selves to it. So I think that can be the cost of, of that as well. And, uh, and then typically, you know, a frustration and frustration leads to people quitting, leaving, and then you're starting all over again. So it's time and money. Everything is really, all of these things essentially, you know, other than uh, being full support of creating a positive work environment really comes down to the, the cost internally is time and money. And then, you know, to talk about what this does to your clientele or, or your customer base, um, you know, again, I come from the world of, you know, when I think I grew up with, with many, you know, a membership environment where taking care of people really was essential and making them feel at home, making them feel welcomed uh, and taken care of in every way, there was no other way. So, to me, it's like if they're constantly dealing with a new person, because guess what, folks, your customers also, every time you turn over somebody, they're having to retrain that person to what they want, they need, and they desire. So, you know, this is just as hard on our customer as it is on the the employee. 
And I think that's essential to understand as well. So I think consistency in our product, our value, our people, our messaging, it really is the key to what, what you know, to, to people building trust in us everywhere. Yeah, that consistency, yeah. you're so right. Maybe I'm yeah. I'm uh, won over by that language because oh. I think that that is, um, I, it's a perfect way to describe what a, a great team would have a consistent leader. So I love it. Um, I love it. And I think it leads into the next um, bucket, which I think we have slightly different um, heading words, but I think they're, they touch on some of the same things. So mm. my word was supportive. What was yours again? Collaboration. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, really, uh, I, I, again, being the connector that I am, collaboration for me, I define it uh, really is a sense of belonging and, 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 and the free, the freedom to be creative, to, to have the create, oh my goodness, to have the freedom to create and be innovative. That's mm -hmm. what collaboration means to me. I know oftentimes people immediately go to teamwork, <laughs> which it is, it's all part of teamwork, but collaboration to me is a slightly, it, it, it sort of sits in the bucket of it's beyond teamwork. It's about um, partners. How are we partners in this? How are we on the same side in this? How are we, you know, um, playing in the same lane? How are we, you know, getting to the end result together? Um, teamwork for me, often it's like, yes, having a team that comes together um, to, you know, work on a task or a project or support somebody to, you know, when maybe they're falling a little bit behind, um, that's an important element of it, but I think I define collaboration slightly different. So I just wanted to make that distinction because mm -hmm. I think sometimes organizations tend to fall into there's, you know, it's all about teamwork. There's no I in team and you hear all these slow, you know, these fun little slogans, all relevant, all important, all necessary. But I think understanding the difference is key, right? Teamwork is a necessity yeah. Yeah. Right. Teamwork is a necessity to accomplish what we've come here to accomplish, to get through the day, to get through the task, to get through the business development of that, you know, whatever it is that we're working on. Collaboration is how can we, you know, you know, kind of take it one step further. How do we move the needle forward? How do we come together and see the vision a little bit further out. So that's what collaboration, it's partnering, it's giving people a sense of belonging. And uh, yeah, what, yeah. What, how do you define, yeah. Um, well, I think the thing that's really jumping out to me about collaboration is when done well, it's very energizing and it feels exciting and it feels bigger than probably what you would have done on your own. So it's a co-creation. It's a really beautiful blend of different skill sets and imaginations and, you know, ideas and visioning. And so collaboration is really important. And I think the teamwork element feels like coming in and just doing kind of side by side to accomplish something, whereas a collaboration feels much more intertwined, if you will. So it's almost like for me, you know, teamwork could be four lanes 
all or four cars on a four lane highway, all moving in the same direction, but next to each other. Whereas for me, a collaboration feels more like, you know, a woven piece of rope or something like everybody's piece, but you, you know, you start to take one piece out and it's just the integrity of it isn't there anymore. Whereas if you took one car off that highway, you'd still have three cars going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, those people are still moving forward, right? Like the integrity isn't gone because everybody's in their own car in essence. So those things feel a bit different to me. And I'm really glad you made that distinction because I think that is true. Um, and, and so my word for my third bucket was supportive. And I think that both of these are touching on the space that people are playing within. Like you're talking about people collaborating in a space and I'm talking about basically having a supportive nature, which would then either lead to collaboration or be very present in collaboration. Mm. So I think that they are very akin and they they speak to similar parts of really great teams. I think supportive also leads to innovation, which um, is your other bucket of like, as well as like incorporating patients, right? Like you're creating a space that people feel free to, to play in and experiment maybe. And just that like, everybody is taking on their own fair share in the space. And I think in a supportive environment, you see that happening and people are more willing to lend a helping hand or to kind of cover or to all just be in rhythm and in sync for the larger objectives. So Mm. yeah, that's part of my my supportive side. I like it. And support is a huge part of like, it's an integral part of collaboration, obviously, as you said, you know, are we all sharing the same workload equally, right? Does everybody fully understand their responsibilities? All those things matter. Um, I guess how I would, you know, this is another piece that I think is so important to collaboration, which is you're an individual, I'm an individual, our boss is an individual, our organization has its own individual sort of status, if you will. And we all, as individuals, have something to contribute, right? We have something to give. And essentially, I think collaboration, when encouraged and supported, as you say, really can lead to a more, it leads more to a commitment and a focus, I guess, is, mm. is what I'm trying to get at. Um that essentially becomes sort of stronger when everyone delivers on their own individual roles, right? So when I recognize as an individual what I bring and you can recognize what, you know, and I recognize what you bring rather and you recognize what I bring, now it becomes how do we come together for the greater good, the greater cause of this business work, this team, et cetera. So I love the metaphor of the, 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 you know, here's four cars on the lane and then, you know, it's exactly right. Are you side by side or are, you know, is each one of you plays an integral part in how we weave, you know, this, this thing that we're creating. So, yeah. And I think when we, when we collaborate, we have a greater sense of us, right? Mm-hmm. So I get away from the word teamwork and I always often say, you know, what are we doing to create a greater sense of us in this space? That's generally where I like to go just because I think teamwork is so overused and uh, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, 
<laughs> it doesn't feel very inspiring, does it? Doesn't it? Like, feel come inspiring. on, let's yeah. get together and do some teamwork. You're kind of yeah. like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what would you say, um, because it made your top four, what is the benefit of having collaboration and what's the cost if there isn't collaboration? Mm, yeah. Okay. So for me, the benefit of collaboration is, um, well, kind of what I just said, I think it brings people, it, it, it takes and allows people's individuality to be seen and um, uh, uh, seen and embraced into the process of what we are doing collectively. So I think mm -hmm. that's the benefit. It opens me up as an employee to want to share my, you know, share my ideas. And this is so close to that, you know, sort of, you know, innovative bucket, but it really is. It's like, I am more willing to go over and above and beyond when you see what I'm, you know, what I'm capable of. And you're taking me hand in hand as a partner in this, right? So I think the, the benefit is that you create more value in the individual's role and responsibility. Therefore, they have, they are more committed to the greater cause. So I think mm -hmm. that's the benefit. The, um, the cost of not having collaboration, I think the cost is that it narrows your window. Like now you're looking only at, you know, a minimal amount of people in the corporation making all the decisions. I think it puts strain is what it does on those who are expected to move the needle, who are expected to, I think this is where teamwork goes sideways because then they're the ones expected to, you know, explore, you know, uh, do more, create more. And um, yeah, I think, I think it, it just, it makes the window smaller. And I think you're missing out on opportunity because the more you expand into the space and create an environment of collaboration, the more people are willing to, like, I think you'll just have more people jumping into that pool and wanting to contribute. And uh, otherwise, I think it minimizes it. And I think it just makes it harder on your teams, those who have to live in that space. Because at some point, every organization has to, you know, get into collaborating on a project, collaborating on it. So it, it puts too much pressure on one person leading that all the time. Yeah. And I think the um, the cost slash benefits um, of you know, my bucket title, which is, you know, having a supportive environment, I think with, it, it speaks to a similar type of um, outcome as yours does. So for me, like the cost of not having a supportive working environment or team that is supportive is you have much more individual stressors. You're going to lead to what I would believe is higher rates of burnout and just people are kind of maxed out because there's not any helping hands. So if there's no support, there's no options. It feels overwhelming and it feels kind of stuck if you mm -hmm. don't have that. And I think that um, the benefit of having supportive environment is it's really giving options. You're going bigger, you're going somewhere further, not only because you're together, but you just have outlets, you have avenues of 
help, assistance, inspiration, skill sets. It's just, it opens so many more doors rather than everybody in essence kind of in their own car. You can just build much greater. So very mm-hmm. similar, I think, to the way that things are playing out in teams um, between our yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, okay, so here's what I know. When I did my notes on my last point here, which is room for innovation, Mm-hmm. It, it was my longest it was it had the most points and it's funny because as as we are discussing um here today we all seem to say they all touched on innovation in some way right yeah. all our bucket points did so it's no surprise that this one sort of fills the the it's like the overabundance of the bucket this is what sort of you know spills over and um I specifically, um, and I remember, I'm trying to remember, sorry, I should have written it down. You said fun, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so agree, by the way. And if I could if I could have added one more, I would have, honestly. I, but fun for me is it, it, it lives in room for innovation, by the way. Yeah. That's where I put it. And I chose specifically to use those words, not just innovation, but I, I said specifically, room for innovation because what i want to encourage organizations and leaders out there to do is not just to strive to be a company that innovates but to strive to be an organization that promotes a growth mindset inside and outside of the business so that people have room to explore and play in the space of innovation and i wanted to make that distinction because you know, it's like, I don't know about you, but I have personally experienced many a time uh, uh, where I have seen something that I know could be done better, could be more efficient, could, you know, could uh, be a little bit easier, could be a little bit more supportive to the team, whatever it might be, or could even generate a little more revenue, etc. And when I brought those ideas to the table, I, you know, either have to go through a whole crop of red tape or the process of approval is so daunting and overwhelming that by the time it circles back around, you're now in this place of frustration. And usually it, 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 it takes a long time to even be communicated back to you, right? So you, you start to sort of, you know, lose hope in the process, you know, of it. And what ends up happening is if it never gets followed through, then once, twice, three times, I'm done. I'm done sharing. I'm done contributing. I'm done giving suggestions. Like I often say, you know, it's like long gone. I don't know if you lived in the day in this day, but long gone is the day of the suggestion box. You remember the suggestion box? box? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it reminds me of when when we have companies that are rigid in this space. So I want to see companies be more open and create room for innovation. In fact, encourage it, promote it, and embrace it as a part of, um, you know, uh, their their entire model. So I often say uh, that I think organizations and leaders really need to uh, have employees not only involved in uh, innovation, but be trained for innovation. Mm. 
Now there's a, yeah, there's a difference here, especially, you know, in the workplace, because what we know is that innovation is a mix of creativity and action, and that translates into positive and profitable uh, results. And when we can tap into that, you know, into that part of the, the people who are on the front line, who see things, who hear things, who know, because they're the ones experiencing, you know, all of it in real, in real life time, um, then we need to, we need to support them in this space. We need to be willing to hear them, willing to take their suggestions seriously and, and, and help, you know, uh, give them the, give them a sense of value. I think that to me is what room for innovation is. It gives the employee a sense of value beyond the job that they're just doing. How are they, how are we encouraging them to contribute positively to the organization as a whole? And if we have limitations, if we have boundaries that are unhealthy boundaries, if, you know, I mean, you can have a process that has to be taken, but for the love of God, speed up that process. Because <laughs> that's when, at least my in my experience. So I think we have to make room for all ideas at the table, you know, and encourage innovation um, to be taken seriously at all levels in the organization so that we can't create an environment that brings forth contribution, fund, and play. Because what is innovation but play? You know, think yeah. about it as opportunity to brainstorm together as well and so on. So it doesn't always have to feel like work, but room to be able to say, you know, I'd love for you to really push the boundaries here and throw everything that you can think of on the table. No, you know, as they say, no question is a bad question. Well, no idea is a bad idea. You can explore it. It may not be the right fit at this right time, or it may not be, you know, uh, feasible, you know, in whatever, you know, whatever the decision is, but you have to honor the initiative. If you don't honor the initiative, you close off, you put up a wall. And that to me is just like, oh boy, sad. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Innovation is such a good cornerstone for teams because it's giving people the space to ha have fun for one, but like also bring in their own ideas and interject them and weave them in. And, and that's where I think you get really cool collaboration is from spaces of innovation. Mm -hmm. But if nobody's thinking about anything different, then you're not ever going to produce more than what is currently being produced. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it's actually one of my personal requirements to when I work with companies and with leaders is, is innovation a value you have? If it's not Absolutely. a value you have, then my work does not align or fit in because I will be as a coach, I'm holding and supporting, but I'm also challenging, which mm. means you're going to try new things. It means you're going to push yourself and it means some things aren't going to stick. It might mean vulnerability, all of these things. So if you're not creating space for innovation, I'm just personally not interested in working with this team or these leaders because that's such a key part about what I do personally in my coaching process. Mm -hmm. um, and the second point that I have to kind of piggyback in your space of innovation is that it really is speaking to kind of the... Um, you know, being nimble like startups, because startups are pure innovation, right? They're, yes. they're filling a gap that somebody has seen. And that's one of the things that I think 
companies who are more established, if they are able to have innovation like a startup can have with just a little bit more stability and perhaps even structure, you can find a really nice happy medium between um, that startup atmosphere and the ease at which innovation can happen in startups. Mm -hmm. And if you can bring that to teams at all sorts of different levels, right? It might not be innovating the next product. It could just be innovating a process that's part of, you know, the ultimate production or something like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah. um, And my bucket is fun (laughs) because (laughs) for me, I just, it's something, it's so high on my values list that Basically, every, you know, let me back up. One of my important things is, to me, time and people. So mm-hmm. that's that's the most rich things I have in my life. So the time I have on this earth, and then it's the people I choose to spend that time with. And so when I break that down, I'm like, okay, I have to work. <laughs> I uh, unfortunately don't have any rich relatives that left me a sizable mansion that I can just enjoy (laughs) the rest of my days in. So because that's not part of my day-to-day reality, I have to work. But work doesn't have to always be a drag. There are moments where it's tough. There are moments where, like, you know, the going gets tough as far as, you know, you're having real conversations and you're giving feedback. And there are lots of things. But I always want to bring an element of fun because... It can definitely, fun and productivity can coexist. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily think is possible, but it definitely is. And the teams that have fun outperform 10 out of 10 times. The teams that just feel really rigid and really like we must stick to task. Yeah, sticking to the task is important. That's why you have consistent and engaging leadership that's kind of putting up those guide rails, but to have fun and to play and to innovate um, is for me just, it's a non-negotiable for any spaces that I am in. I love it. Yeah. And you've sold me on that too. There's no question. <laughs> it would have been up there if I could have kept going. <laughs> I know I was, I was for the sake of our listeners, I had to narrow it down, but, uh, I love that. And you're absolutely right. I think it makes me think about, you know, when we're kids, we, uh, we don't have that serious, sort of sense of being, right? All we do is play and be curious and explore and have fun. And oftentimes when we can let go of all the agendas and all the to-do lists and all of the pressures that we're under and take time to play and have a little fun, I, I mean, it's, it's like, it just, it, it, it shifts your entire energy and gives you a whole new energy to, to be able to sort of show up and, uh, and tackle those difficult, uh, you know, tasks ahead. So I love it. And uh, there's no, there's no question it lives in the room of innovation anyway. And, uh, and the other thing that I thought about after is here's a, here's another sort of, I want to say misconception because I think everybody thinks that not everyone is an innovator or that not everybody can innovate. Right. Mm -hmm. And even in your case, when you use the word fun, Oh, I'm not a really fun person. I don't know how to bring fun. Right. 
So sometimes we categorize ourselves in this, oh, I have to leave that for the people who have that ability to innovate, to think bigger, to think, you know, et cetera. And I wanna sort of kibosh that. I think it's really important here yeah, this is what I mean by a growth mindset as well from the organization's perspective, which is this is all the more reason why you need to embrace innovation and create room for it, encourage it, train it, make it a part of your everyday uh, conversations at the table, you know, during your one-on-ones or your meetings and your goal setting. Because when we, you know, sort of get away from whether you are an innovator or not, and instead, we create the environment where they can be supported to bring ideas to the table. I think then teams and individuals are more likely to support innovation inside of a company, to support change when it happens, to support new ideas when they come in and not have to not resist them, which oftentimes change and new ideas and big projects that take us out of our routine can happen, right? A lot of times people will start to, you know, sort of feel like, oh, I don't like change or I don't want to, this is too hard, too much work, etc. But when you're making them a part of that process and it becomes a part of your culture and it becomes a part of the, the these cornerstones from day one, they understand where they live in that and they contribute to it daily they become, you're literally uh, literally developing innovators. So whether you believe they are an innovator, whether you believe yourself to be, have the capabilities of innovating, we all have the ability to learn it. And, and, and it's a skill. I believe it's a skill that can be taught, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. that's my take on why I think everyone should make room for it and embrace it. Um, not just be at the top where you've got a head off headquarters somewhere or a corporate office somewhere that's creating the new ideas constantly. Let, yeah. them come, yeah, let them come from the people that that are committed to you and your brand and your service. Um, yeah, I think it's so true. And for me, you know, just kind of wrapping up with my my fun bucket is just this is what for me it's all about. Like, this is how I want to spend my time. I want to be having fun. And for me, that really, that should shine through in my communication, in my leadership style, in the way I support others. It's it's coming from a space of love, but mm-hmm. to also be enjoyed. And so for me, that is absolutely just something that I carry with me in both work and in my personal life. And yeah, I would encourage all these, all mm-hmm. of you leaders and managers out there to think about how are you incorporating, um, you know, any of these topics? I think we in total have thrown out essentially six different buckets for you to consider and for you to look at how that's playing in, you know, any team dynamics you're a part of right now. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that. And you are who you are, by the way, Amber, there's nothing less I would have expected, uh, you know, when you talk about fun, it's um, it's who I've gotten to know you are and uh, and love that about you. So and I know it's what you bring to your clients, too. So just love, love, love. Uh, I think I will close it with this. I think we've given our audience a lot to think about, um, you know, some different lanes to play with and whatnot. But ultimately, really, really dissect what is important to you 
what matters to you and what are the benefits and the costs of having each or not having each. And, but those cornerstones really set the tone for the values that you then align with them to the behaviors you expect, to the culture you create. Mm. None of these, or I should say, all of these can be trainable. They, they all can come from a level of skills, uh, a skill set that you can create to help your teams and your leaderships be successful. And when a team can have that sense of critical thinking and curiosity, good communication, um, you know, uh, be a part of a company that is teaching them new skills and growth to have fun. How can you not be successful? Like, I just, to me, that just gives me goosebumps and that's what I want for everybody. So it's, it's a process. It takes a little bit of work, uh, but an important process, I believe. And from there, just, uh, go out and be who you are. So, uh, anything else to add, Amber? Um, I just want to give the the caveat to anybody that's listening is that we are, while we're saying that these things are very important, they're not easy. And <laughs> um, just to keep that in mind, that incorporating these things and to have spaces of innovation, all this stuff, it is, it's, it's tough, right? Even diversity of thought of people on your team, like it is, it, it presents challenges and you're going to have to pivot. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to grow. All of these things um, take them in stride. But I think even being aware, awareness for me is always the first step. So now if you go yeah. away and you think about some of these cornerstones and how they look, it is going to take work. It does require um, some intention behind it, but it is so, so dang worth it. And then you get those goosebump moments like Nargis is saying about how awesome it can be for everyone and how much success there is for everyone to gain when teams are functioning in a, you know, thriving and healthy and fun ways. So yeah, thank you I so know. much for this awesome conversation today, Narges, and for heading up this topic. It definitely got me thinking in some fun and new ways. Mm. And I hope everybody walks away and takes some things and puts it in their back pocket for their teams. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are so happy that you joined us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen and tell some other kick-ass leaders you know about us. We'd love to continue the conversation on LinkedIn or check us out online at humanityofleadership.com. Take care and we'll see you next time.